Is the season opener at Arkansas a bigger game than Notre Dame was? Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. It's free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel up to 385 still subscribers and counting. Follow us too to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. Alex Frank with you, your host each and every day here on Lockdown Bearcats, former sports director of UC's student-run media organization, Bearcats Media, bringing all those experiences here to Lockdown Bearcats. So Cincinnati and Arkansas, is this a bigger game than Notre Dame? It's a question I floated around with. Maybe you have too, but I'm here to tell you that it's not. Sure, this is a big game. This is a huge game. It's not as big as Notre Dame though. Why? Because Arkansas doesn't move the needle. What I mean by that is they don't, you know, when 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 you say, okay, we're playing this team this week, yeah, Arkansas will, you know, you can get up for it. I mean, it's an SEC team. If this were a basketball game, yeah, you'd be probably more stoked than you are football. You're stoked about it in football because it's the first game of the season. It's a road game. It's a road game against an SEC opponent. It's the first game coming off a of college football playoff season. But it's not as big as Notre Dame because it doesn't get you over the moon excited as it would for a bigger SEC opponent. It does not, okay? It doesn't. Notre Dame was big because of the anticipation. From the moment that game was announced in 2019, that is the only game you looked forward to, maybe. And certainly heading into the 2021 season last year, that was the game you looked forward to. And eventually what that game became, as far as the college football playoff was concerned, that game determined who got the fourth spot, in essence. Because if you remember, Cincinnati got the four seed, Notre Dame got five. If Notre Dame beats Cincinnati, they are in the playoffs. Cincinnati's not. So that game was ultimately the decider for the fourth spot. And you think about what that game had. The storylines. Brian Kelly and him saying the week leading up to the game, well, we're excited to give them the opportunity to come play Notre Dame. <laughs> All right, we're going to come in there and beat you, and we did. With Arkansas, like, if this were a game against Georgia, like the Peach Bowl two years ago, or Alabama, like the Cotton Bowl last year, or Ohio State three years ago, or another blue blood of college football, then yeah, like Notre Dame, then yes, it's the biggest game in school history. But Arkansas is not the biggest game in school history. I wouldn't even put it second behind Notre Dame. I wouldn't even put it third. Like when we talk about the top five games in school history, the top five biggest games in school history, Notre Dame is probably, can you even say that's number one? Like Arkansas, like that, the college football playoff game against Alabama is probably number one. Notre Dame is number two and very close at number two. And then you can go to the the Sugar Bowl in 2010 and then whatever else in, in program history in terms of football. And when I say big games, 
I'm talking about leading up to it, not what it became, what it, you know, leading up to it. Obviously, if you're playing Alabama in the playoffs of college football, it's the biggest game in school history. Then you've got Notre Dame because of the unique, the fact that it was only the second time those teams played in school history. Arkansas is probably not even top five. And that's what makes this such a unique game because it is a big game. You're going on the road to an SEC team, to a team who was really good last year and who's returning a lot of key players from that team last year. Arkansas last year finished with a record of 9-4. and 9-4. and four. And I believe they finished, yeah, they finished in the top 25 in the coaches and the AP poll, not in the playoff poll. 9-4. and four. Uh, finished with a road with a bowl game victory against Penn State in the Outback Bowl. They their losses were a number two Georgia, which everybody lost to Georgia except Alabama last year, and number seventeen Ole Miss. And by the way, they went for two in that game. They lost 52-51. and then they lost against Auburn at home. They also played Alabama into a seven point game. I'm looking at that schedule, and outside of a loss to Auburn, who wasn't very good last year, like. They played some pretty tough games, man. Like they beat number they beat Texas, who was number fifteen. They beat number seven Texas A and M. They beat number seventeen Mississippi State. They beat LSU. They went toe to toe with Alabama, and then they beat Penn State in the Outback Bowl. That's some strong wins right there. And you think about their returning KJ Jefferson. They're returning a lot this year. And so that's that does make this game a big game. But to say it's bigger than Notre Dame, hell no. To say this is a bigger game, this, this is the biggest game in school history, hell no. It might be the biggest season opener in Bearcats history. That I'll give you. And the Bearcats have played some pretty um, compelling season opening games. Like you talk about going to Fresno State. You talk about early on in the season in 2009, they went to Oregon State. They played... They've played some very tough season opening games. Heck, UCLA. We thought that was the biggest season opener in 2018. This is much greater. Because you're facing an SEC team. By the way, Arkansas plays in the SEC West. Which may have been down last year, but when LSU's good, that that side of the SEC, man, whoo, it is tough. Okay? Especially when you have Mississippi and Mississippi State. Uh, that, that, that division's been tough. Because it's tough because you only have to go through Alabama, but because Alabama's so good, yeah. So another reason why this is not a big game is, like, you have to figure out what the storylines are. What makes a game big? The storylines. Notre Dame was big because it had everything in it. Brian Kelly, the fact that you were going to Notre Dame for the first time since 1900, the fact that, you know, this group of five program who just four years ago was in the irrelevancy depths of college football and now is, you know, trying to do the unthinkable as a group of five school, which is break that barrier, glass barrier, that's the college football playoff. And they did. And they did. And not only that, they went in as favorites. And the fact that you had all these Bearcat fans there and the fact that it was, you know, Desmond Ritter and Sauce Garter and who was, you know, the talent on both sides. Could Cincinnati slow down Michael Mayer? They didn't really in that game. Could Desmond Ritter, you know, deal with Notre Dame's defense 
you know, Marcus Freeman, defensive coordinator, former Bearcats defensive coordinator. I'm naming storylines left and right. With Arkansas, what's the storyline? Well, it's, uh, yeah, see, you got to kind of get there in a roundabout way. If you have to get there in a roundabout way, if you have to think for 10 seconds, well, you know, uh, I don't know who's going to start a quarterback for Cincinnati. Okay, that's fine. Well, how are the Bearcats going to slow down K.J. Jefferson? Eh, that's something, too, but, you know. I'm talking immediate direct that gives this game that oomph to it. You know, like when you put that, when you put the juice in that burger, because I like my burgers medium, and you get that oomph and that flavor to it. Like this game doesn't have that. It's a big game because it's going to an SEC team who's probably going to be ranked in the top 25. Maybe Cincinnati is too. And if you want to say that's a storyline, then fine. But there aren't that many direct, immediate storylines that you can think of. I'm not saying this is not a big game. This is because it's the first game of the season. Your playoff hopes hinge on this game. It's honestly kind of hard for me to get up for this game. If this game was like in week three, like Indiana or week four, like Notre Dame, I'm probably going to be able to get up for it more. But because I know and the dreading, the dreadful aspect of this is, well, you know, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, um, if they lose, their playoff hopes are done, if there even are any playoff hopes. So Arkansas is hard to get up for. If this were Georgia, oh, yeah. If this were Alabama, hell, yeah. If this were Ohio State, please, elite. If this were Notre Dame, hell, yeah. I mean, if this was USC, like, I don't care how bad USC has been in recent years or the fact they haven't been good since 2008. Like, it's USC, man. When I say the words USC, or the letters, rather, USC, You get up for that game because you know they are college football royalty. Historically, at least. Maybe not now. Like, you get up for names like USC, but Arkansas? When it comes to football? It's hard to get up for it, man. It really is. And the worst part is the playoff hopes, like I've said, hinge on this game. So it's no doubt the biggest season opener in school history. But to say it's a bigger game than Notre Dame was last year? uh Uh-uh. Because... Notre Dame isn't even the biggest game in school history. That was the college football playoff game last year. If you wanted to rank your top five biggest games in school history, I'd probably go the playoff game against Alabama, then Notre Dame, then the Sugar Bowl. I would pro- okay, I'd probably go number four. Hmm. I'd say the uh, Orange Bowl against Virginia Tech and then the Big East Championship game in 2009. And you can debate me on that. That's just where I am right now. Coming up, though, would this be the biggest win in school history? Another question worth pondering. I'll explain after a word from LinkedIn. You see, as you gear up for fall, just like we are on Lockdown Bearcats with the start of football season now just 32 days away. Is it 32 days away? No, it's uh, – oh, shoot, my math's failing me. No, it is 32 days away. Excuse me. You need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all that's offense was last year and hopefully will be again this year. LinkedIn Jobs. Is here to help you make it easier. Excuse me, to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes. Excuse me on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring, so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. 
It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Need a sip of water after that. Now this is making Georgia tap water. It's not the greatest. Hashtag not sponsored. Thank goodness because it's not that great. Anyway, so when we talk about the Arkansas game, it's not as it's not a bigger game than Notre Dame. It's not even bigger than five other games that this program has played in school history all in the last 15 years. It certainly is the biggest season opener in school history, and that's probably the only biggest whatever I'm going to agree with. Now, let's, you know, fast forward to the future here. If Cincinnati wins at Arkansas, um, I would start Ben Bryant in this game because here's what's going to happen. I'm, wait, that I went way too far ahead. Excuse me. That's segment three. Consider that a tease, and that was not a good tease. My coworkers at work would not be happy with me right now. Anyway, so Greg Lewandowski would not be happy with me either. He is our um. I'll get into him later. So, would this be the biggest win in school history? It's got a case. I mean, you go on the road and beat an SEC team. Anytime you do that, that's big. That's compelling. With a roster that's not nearly as great as last year, that'd be an impressive win. You go into Fayetteville, and you beat a top 25 team with replacing nine NFL draft picks from a year ago, that would be a big win, man. It would be, seriously. Again, this is if you are wondering if this is a bigger game than Notre Dame and it would be a bigger win than Notre Dame. I think it would be the most impressive win that this program has had. Like, the biggest wins in school history for this program. And by the way, to answer your question, and I've had the, I asked this myself to myself, maybe you asked this to yourself. If you are wondering if this is a bigger if this would be a bigger win than Notre Dame, it's not. The win in Notre Dame will reverberate throughout this program forever. Arkansas may not do that. Arkansas will do that for 2022. Now, it might eventually. If Cincinnati wins this game and rides that to another playoff berth, then not only will it reverberate forever throughout this program's history, but you can also then legitimately say, hey, this is maybe the biggest win in school history because we did it without Desmond Ritter, without Sauce Gardner, without 
um, Alec Pierce, all players who were instrumental in the win last year at Notre Dame. Sauce Gardner had the interception on the first possession. Desmond Ritter threw two touchdowns and ran for another. You also did it without Jerome Ford. So there is that. If you win in Arkansas and you ride that to another playoff berth, the year after you lose nine NFL draft picks and three others to undrafted free agency, then hell yeah, we can maybe then have that debate. But what we cannot have is if they just win Arkansas and they don't go to the playoff. Like, I feel like if they win in Arkansas, yeah, great win. You go on the road, you beat an SEC team without, you know, the talent you had last year and a new roster that, yes, is very good and might have more depth than last year. But to say it's the biggest win in school history, no. Notre Dame still reverberates. Pike to Bin still reverberates around this, around Clifton. Like, those are your top two wins. But if you are able to, and I say that because look at what the victory at Notre Dame did. Like, That was the arrival of Cincinnati on a college football level. Cincinnati, a city that, it's a metropolitan city. It's not even a college town. Like, it's, Cincinnati historically has been a baseball town. It's not anymore, fun fact. And so, when you arrive on the college football scene, and you beat a blue blood, which college football has been always about tradition, and your tradition-rich schools are the schools who win the most. And then this little-known program from Cincinnati, which is a metropolitan area, and they arrive. Yeah. And then you beat Brian Kelly in his own stadium. Heck, you have more fans, it felt like, than Notre Dame. Yes, that's what made that win so important. Okay? And so when I think about, all right, what the biggest win in school history is, I don't think a win in Arkansas would be the biggest win because it doesn't have the storylines going into it as Notre Dame did. Arkansas might be the most impressive win because of it's on the road, it's a season opener, and you're doing it with a new quarterback, a new running back, a new number one wide receiver, a new number one corner, and so many other pieces. A new number one safety, new everything, it seems like. New offensive coordinator. Heck, new kicker. You know, it does feel that way. It would be the most impressive win for that. But remember this, okay? Cincinnati was a favorite going into Notre Dame. So while there was an impressive victory, and they arguably had more talent than Notre Dame, listen, it's still facing Notre Dame. It was still a top 10 matchup in the regular season. Cincinnati had never experienced that in the American Athletic Conference. Let alone in school history. In the middle of the season, so early, a game on national television, a game on an exclusive television network, because Notre Dame has a deal with NBC. You're playing in front of millions of fans around the country watching to see your team, to see you play. So this would absolutely be the most impressive win in school history at Arkansas. They don't have the alpha dogs that they had, and they're about a touchdown underdog. So a win would be the most impressive in school history. The biggest, though? No. Because, again, you have to understand the significance of the Notre Dame game that shows 
leading into it and then what it did afterwards. It's the biggest win in school history until they win a playoff game or a national championship. Because obviously those would be the biggest wins. Because Notre Dame, yes, was a big win. It got them to 4-0. It firmly confirmed that Cincinnati was going to be in the college football playoff if they went undefeated. That they that they were worthy of being considered. And they were a playoff-worthy team. And they were. But even a national championship might be pushing it. Because you just think about all that went into that Notre Dame game. You finally got to write what felt like 12 years of bitterness throughout this program. And I'm sure there are still fans. There are still alumni. There are still there are still people associated with this program who still hold resentment towards Brian Kelly. And beating them did, did not do them the justice they deserved. Especially considering Brian Kelly ultimately left Notre Dame in what arguably was a worse way to leave a school than what he did at Cincinnati. Because players found out on social media. His meeting with the players the day after they found out lasted a grand total of two minutes. The meeting was scheduled for 7 o'clock in the morning, which was stupid anyway. 7-11, he was pulling out of campus. Put it to you that way. Brian Kelly at least addressed the team at the banquet. Now, players knew. At least he dressed the team at the banquet. I'm not saying that did anything better. Social media wasn't as prevalent in 2009 as it is now. But I'm telling you right now that um, I'm telling you right now that there are fans who loved Cincinnati being Brian Kelly in his own stadium. But there are also fans who are still feeling as if justice has not been served. And you don't know when it will come for those fans. Now, that's a sad way to live. Justice for me has been served. Like the Bearcats are now in this new era of college football. You know, I don't, I, 2009, I look back on that year with fond memories. That was an uberly fun team. We knew Brian Kelly could leave Notre Dame. However, the win in Arkansas would not be the biggest win in school history. It'd be the most impressive win. Season opener with a whole bunch of new players. But to say that this would be the biggest win in school history is a stretch. Coming up, how should the Bearcats go about this game? I'll explain how I think they should next. After a word from our friends at Bilt Bar. If you haven't tried the Puffs yet, you're really missing out, let me tell you. Because they the flavors... Just keep getting better and better and better. Well, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Are you ready for this? Ooh, I don't know. I don't even know if I am. Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite. It's actually my favorite. Cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture. Real cookie dough chunks. It's true. And, of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. So literally run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It will be the perfect treat, or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them 
for yourself. I've done that. Like all built bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means it's healthy and tasty. And are you, and you have to be asking me, are you really serious, Alex? Well, believe me, I am. Chocolate-covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture, so good. And what's great about Built is that all of their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You are going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late-night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built bar. And here's an offer. Go to built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. The season open in Arkansas is interesting because, um, you know, how do you go about this? How do you go about this from a quarterback, and particularly how you go about this from the quarterback battle? I think Cincinnati should start Ben Bryant. Like, with all due respect to Evan Prater, and I've been pounding my fist saying Evan Prater should be the starting quarterback. I have, and I think he, you know, I think at some point he will be. More on that later this week. But you got to start Ben Bryan. You know what you have in him. He's got a connection with Leonard Taylor. He's got, I think, a connection with Troy Tucker. And you're going to play your most experienced quarterback behind a very good offensive line who's returning all five starters. Ben Bryan knows this offense he has the most experience. Okay, so that's the start. Now, here's the tricky thing. How do the first possessions go? That's going to determine a lot. If you're down 17-3 to at the end of the first quarter, you might be thinking, okay, let's put an Evan Prater in to give our offense a dynamic spark. In Ben Bryant's first start, remember, he was down 17-3, to but the Bearcats didn't have any other options. You're not going to go with Jake Sopko. You aren't going to go with... Um, any other quarterback in that situation. Desmond Ritter was out. You weren't going to start. You weren't going to change quarterbacks. Ben Bryan overcame a 17-3 start. Found Leonard Taylor for a touchdown. Let another touchdown drive. Ran in a touchdown himself. So he's responded when down before. So the Bearcats could, if they're down 17-3 at the end of the first quarter, say, you know what? We're fine with this guy. But I would have Evan Prater ready to go. If it's 7-3... At the end of the first quarter, okay, fine. Your defense is playing well. You're feeling pretty good. You're in the game. It does feel like Ben Bryant, though, is on a short leash. You know, going into this game, because what I'm saying is, if you're down 17-3, you've got a four-star recruit who fans love or wait is waiting on the sideline. Now, what's really unique about this is, Ben Bryant was in Evan Prater's shoes in 2020 and 2019. Fans wanted them to start. I mean, my uh, the um, my coworker at Bearcast Media, the guy who took over for me as sports director, Sean McMahon, used to tell me all the time he wanted Ben Bryant to start, which, spoiler alert, I never bought into. So here's Ben Bryant's chance. But it does feel like, because we know the potential of Evan Prater, and we know there's a ceiling with Ben Bryant, we know, okay, we know if Ben Bryant, you know, struggles. If it's 17-3 and he's 3 of 10 for 20 yards and maybe a pick, you know, you feel like, okay, he might perform well against Kennesaw State. He might perform well against uh, Miami. 
or Indiana. But what's going to happen when you put up put him up against SMU and UCF on the road? What's going to happen if you get to a New Year's Six Bowl and you're facing an SEC team? Uh, wherever. Like, what is going to happen when you are in that situation? What's going to happen? Because you've seen it now in the biggest games that he's played. He threw two picks in Memphis, but you couldn't go to another quarterback in that game. You had to play that whole game with Bryant. In this game, you don't. The unique thing about this is we might see Evan Prater in this game. And we could walk away from this game with Evan Prater as the starting quarterback, meaning you have your starting quarterback for the next three years. But absolutely, And there's only one area where we need to talk about this game, and that is the quarterback battle. Because it might be decided by the first game. When we are watching ESPN at 3.30 on September the 3rd, when we are watching that game and you see the quarterback who the Bearcats pick to run out on the field first possession, it's probably going to be Ben Bryant. Now, let's say it is Evan Prater, okay? Then that shows me, okay, this team is coming. This team is going to be aggressive. I'm not saying this team's not going to be aggressive and not coming if Ben Bryant starts. But if you truly want to make a statement to Arkansas, to the American, to college football, you start Evan Prater. Like, I can only imagine the statement that that would reverberate around campus. Because let me tell you, it would be massive. It would be massive if Evan Prater started. If you see, and if the Bearcats don't announce who their starting quarterback is, you might on the Tuesday leading, on the Tuesday press conference leading up to the game, you might see on the depth chart listed as Ben Bryant or Evan Prater. It might not say Ben Bryant, Evan Prater. If there's an or in the quarterback battle, then you know, you know that that means they're going to, um, you know, it's not decided yet. I think it will be. I I hope it's decided before the game. I mean, the suspense, yeah, would be great. And it'd be something we can talk about leading up to the game all week. But at the end of the day, like, come on. Like, if you announce who the starting quarterback is, I think that'd be a bigger story than not announcing who it is. But I think you should start Ben Bryant in this game because you know who you have. There is rationale and, and um, sensibility and starting your most experienced player. I think they should start Ben Bryan for that reason. But knowing who you have behind them, knowing that as we, as we saw in the spring, this developmental became true. Okay. Evan Prater became a, you know, a really good quarterback. And the starting quarterback battle was much closer than we thought. Perhaps, okay, you know, if it's 17 to 3, if the game is 14 nothing in the first quarter, if the game is getting out of hand, if you have a sense, if you're Luke Fickle, if you're Gino Gaduli, that the game is getting out of hand early. Send in Evan Prater. Get a dynamic spark in there. Remember 2018 when Hayden Moore struggled against UCLA with that fumble through uh, several incompletions? 
eventually the Bearcats said, we don't have time to have this keep happening. Let this keep happening. We, they had to put in Desmond Ritter. They did. And look what that did. Changed the trajectory of the program for four years. Not just that night, not just that season, but for four years. If the Bearcats were in a situation like that against Arkansas, then if they put it Evan Prater, that could change the, the um, trajectory of this program for the next three years. And that includes two years in the Big 12. Speaking of Ben Bryant, on tomorrow's show, um, actually, you know what? I think I have a guest on tomorrow's show. Oh, geez, I got a lot going on. I don't even know. And I, I do believe this is true that I have a guest on tomorrow's show, and, I'm, and I am almost certain that it is John Garcia finally able to get him on. John Garcia, Jr., the director of football recruiting for Sports Illustrated, um, he is going to join us to talk about uh, the latest commitments for um, Cincinnati. Yeah, that's on tomorrow's show. Malik Elzey, Brady. No, I'm sorry. That's Thursday show. Jeez. That is Thursday show. Tomorrow's show is going to be, we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk some basketball. We're going to talk to uh, Jason Jordan, uh, director of basketball recruiting for Sports Illustrated. Rayvon Griffith, Isaiah Collier, recruiting heading in the Big 12. All of that. John Garcia Jr. is going to join me on Thursday show to talk about Malik Elzey, Brady Drogish, and then the Pace Brothers. And then on Friday's show, we'll get back into the quarterback battle. How short of a leash is Ben Bryant on heading into fall camp and this season? That is going to do it for me today here on Lockdown Bearcats. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel. Up to 385 subscribers and counting. Follow us, too, to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's and an A-T-I. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, or email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. For your second listen today, get more on the Big 12 by making Lockdown Big 12 your second listen. Everyday host and a friend of mine, Josh Neighbors, and the local experts of Lockdown take you across the conference in 30 minutes. Lockdown Big 12. That's Lockdown Big 12. For the Lockdown Bearcats podcast, my name is Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day, and I will be back tomorrow's show with Jason Jordan the director of basketball recruiting for Sports Illustrated. Haven't done a basketball show, I feel like, in forever. That's going to change tomorrow. By the way, speaking of that, the Bearcats know that they will play Arizona the first game in the Maui Invitational on November 21st. That game will be played um, day and time, 11.30, Jesus, 11.30 p.m. on uh, ESPN2. Win that game. Potential next opponent, San Diego State or Ohio State. Hmm. Monday, November 21st in Maui, Cincinnati taking on Arizona. For the Lockdown Bearcats podcast, I'm Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day, and I will be back tomorrow.